Good evening. I got the little cup this tonight. <laughs> but it's all the way tip top full. Thankfully, I haven't had to need, uh, need much water as of late, so praise the Lord for that. We'll see about tonight, though. Um, we are in the book of Colossians, as we have been for quite a while now on Wednesday nights. And go figure, right? Been in, in, uh, and you know, I thought I was going to finish two verses last week, and then I got slowed down. I finished two verses, but we're going to back up one. And uh, I, I don't think I did service to verse three last last week. So we're going to go ahead and uh, take a look at that again. So Colossians chapter four, we'll start in verse. Sorry, not not making a, a, a good show of verse four. We'll start in verse four. That I may make it, and that it referring to the mystery of Christ or the gospel, manifest as I ought to speak. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time here tonight, for the privilege that it is to meet together freely uh, freely in your house tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word that you've provided for us and preserved. Help us to look into it, study, and grow closer to you uh, as we look into it. I pray that you get me out of the way and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So last week we, we looked at verses 3 and 4, mostly focused on verse 3. Uh, just touching verse 4 and I think there's quite a bit more here uh, than meets the eye and it, it's going along with the theme that that has been taught recently uh, and especially with uh, Brother Stedman coming through here back in November teaching about preaching and the, the importance of preaching and here what we see in verse 4 that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak and that'll basically what, what we'll be focusing on tonight here, as we ought to speak, as Paul said, as I ought to speak, or as each of us, as we ought to speak this gospel message to the world, the importance of preaching. And we see a parallel passage here, as much of Colossians, at least this portion of it, parallels Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. This sounds like verse 3 in Colossians 4 that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul here is saying to the Colossians as well as the Ephesians, pray for me. There's a message that God's given me. Let me speak it as I ought to speak it, the way it's supposed to be taught. So what is bold speaking? I think that's what Paul is praying for here. Being, being able to speak boldly about the truth that he has, that God has revealed to mankind now through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has come, God in the flesh, Savior of mankind, died and risen again uh, for the salvation of many. So here, what is bold speaking and bold preaching? Well, I think pastors outlined this in the recent past here too. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 4 through 8 here we see that Ezra, the scribe, stood upon a pulpit of wood, verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Got the, the, word, the word of the Lord here and open in front of us. 
tonight, and hopefully all of you have your Bibles out too. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Praising God for who he is, what he's done, what he will do. And then in verse 7, Ezra, and he lists a long list of men that helped him that day. Ezra, in this list of men, caused the people to understand the law. How did they do it? Verse 8, so they read the book in the law of God distinctly. They read it, right? They read it out loud. They taught it. They preached it, speaking forth the word of God to those that were, in, that were in the congregation and listening that evening. And they gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So they expounded upon it. They didn't just read words, but they, they cross-referenced, I would assume, cross-referenced scripture as we try to do here. Not just to pull out the singular meaning and, and you, you pick a verse. Anybody can do that, right? And that's done so often in, in uh, corrupt churches around our country and around the world. Pick a verse completely out of context Make it say whatever you want it to say. You can, ha- you, can, you can cherry pick verses out of the Bible and justify anything under the sun. The important part is to get the correct sense. Gave the sense of it and caused them to understand the reading as Ezra did. The important part in Bible study and in scripture reading and in preaching and teaching is to make sure you got the right sense. What, what is the scripture saying? Is it... And that's the important part. What is it saying? Not necessarily what is teaching. The Holy, that's the Holy Spirit's job, right? To teach what the scripture says. But what are, what are the words saying? What is the meaning? How is God using them to teach? So <clears throat> what is bold speaking and preaching? Well, it includes first and foremost the word of God, right? If you're going to preach something, you've got to have something to preach. The word of God. And that's what has all the power. It's not me. It's not the preacher. It's not the person reading it to you that has the power. It's not the words necessarily on the printed page, but is the words themselves that God has spoken and has preserved for us. So when you consider that, we have the word of God and we believe we have it preserved for the English-speaking peoples in the King James Bible, that you would have, say, the so-called wisdom of men. Right? There are a lot of smart people in this world, according to the world. We have a university here in town that has hundreds of them or thousands of students that are there studying. They're very smart people, as the world goes, as the world has wisdom. Are they all smart in the ways of God and in eternal things? I would imagine only a small fraction are. And it, it, it is a shame. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that God's placed us here. We are a place where his word is taught. Faithfully, I hope I'm a faithful teacher and and minister of his word here and pray that for tonight. Um, But that's what this world needs is good preaching, good teaching. But where do you find that from? Where's the root of that? It's in the word of God. You have to have something that you're teaching that has wisdom self-contained within itself. So it's not the wisdom of men. It's not my opinion that I'm giving you. It's what God says. So I can read God's word trust that it means what he means it to mean that there isn't really a question now of of is it truth it is the truth we can know truth this world teaches us today that we can't know truth right truth is all relative well you have your truth and i have my truth and let's just agree to disagree and something about lesser of two evils and all this other stuff right this is worldly wisdom 
that's coming out. It compares in no ways to the wisdom of God. So the so-called wisdom of men is nothing compared with God's word and God's wisdom. The other thing you need to have, so you need to have, number one, the word of God. Number two, you have to have a spirit-filled believer preaching and teaching the word of God. Right? This is something, if you're going to preach and teach, you're not going to do this with uh, just in your flesh, right? I'm not sure how many times... Uh, specifically in going out witnessing, if I haven't been prayed up beforehand to go witnessing, it's been a mistake to try to go out and do it in my flesh and to argue somebody to Christ. You're not going to persuade anybody with any of your words of wisdom, your wisdom, to try to convince them that, okay, well, your position says that there is no God, and my position says there is God, and such and such evidence of stars and creation, and we all believe in faith at some point, you're not going to argue somebody into heaven. What's going to happen there is God's going to draw them, and he draws all people. For how long? I don't know. But he draws all men. He's promised that in his word. And because of that, the, the primary thing is, is you use the word of God, this word which is the sword, the sword of the uh, word, of, word of God. Let it out, speak it out, and let God do the work, right? If we, if we speak the word of God to people, if we share them John 3.16 or John 14.6 or 1 John 5.13, any of these verses among others, speaking out the truth of the word of God, let God's word do its work. Let it go forth and accomplish its purpose. It's not up to you to argue somebody into heaven, right? That's God's, God, God's work is to draw men to him through Jesus Christ. Save them. He does the saving. He does all the work. What we're committed to do is to tell that to people. I would argue that's preaching, as Brother Stedman had. Preaching comes in many different forms. It can come by someone standing here in a suit in front of a pulpit on a Wednesday night telling you that the, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His deity, his soon coming, his, his uh, sudden coming, as we're learning on, on Sunday mornings. Um, these truths that the word of God outlines here, to share those verse by verse, know where they're at. Maybe you can't memorize things a lot very well. I, I, I'm not sure how much word me verbal memory I have. Great imagery that I can remember. I can tell you where on the page some of these verses are in my Bible. Um, memory of scripture is difficult for me, but it's not an excuse. You have your Bible, you can use it, let it out. That's the important thing. So you got to have two things in preaching, maybe more. The primary two are the word of God. You got to have the word of God that has all the power and you got to be led by the spirit to be able to preach and teach. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 and through 21 read, For the preaching of the cross is to them which perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? We're going to see one day that it's going to be all complete foolish and rubbish 
what this world has to say. I, I'm not even going to try to outline just the garbage that is in this world, what is called science today. Uh, to know what science is, to, to, to see the things that are called science, and, and being in an applied science field myself, um, science is not what this world says today. Science simply is you form a hypothesis. You have a question. There's something out there that I don't know and I don't understand. Then you go and you figure out a way to prove whether that thing is so or not. You form an experiment. You go perform the experiment now and look at your results and see is that thing, is that a true question? Is the answer to this question A or B in my hypothesis? And you move forward from there. That is science. Science in the world today, or science falsely so-called as the Bible calls it, is where you form the conclusion and then you go back and design an experiment that proves out your hypothesis. It's the inversion, right? Salvation of this world is, well, you just gotta be a good person. And you gotta do all these works in order to justify your salvation. It's the inversion of what true salvation is. You can't do it. It's only Jesus Christ, trust in him. In verse 21, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The world considers preaching, what we're doing here tonight, what you guys are listening to, what I'm hopefully accomplishing tonight, preaching and teaching God's word to be foolish. In the eyes of this world, they would, be, they would scoff at what I'm doing here tonight. And that's fine. You can scoff all you want. We have the truth. We have the truth of the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit living within and indwelling believers tonight. We have the surety of an eternity spent with God in heaven right now. And that's the important, that's knowing where you're going when this is all over is the most important thing that you can know. And being certain that it will be in heaven is the most important thing you can get right. Knowing that your savior is Jesus Christ. You can't do it all. You can't do any of it in order to earn your way to heaven. It is only through Jesus Christ. That foolishness of preaching is what God is using to save people. Now, preaching, like I said, is it necessarily standing in front of a church and preaching? Is it necessarily standing on a street corner with signs and preaching? I know some that do that. God bless them for it. Is it personal witness to somebody? Yes. And more. So here we say, in this verse here, in verse 3, <clears throat> sorry, verse 4, Paul is asking the Colossians to pray for him that he might make the gospel of Jesus Christ manifest as he ought, that he might make Jesus Christ and his salvation known. If you will, make Jesus famous and not himself, right? It's all about him, it's not about me. For God's glory and not Paul's glory. For and, and I, I still remember the sermon that Brother Matt preached here when one of the times when they were visiting. That uh, for whose glory is it? Is it for, am I asking for these things for God's glory or is it for Brian Young's glory? And in his case, it was Matt Cook's glory. Was he asking for, is it, is it for me? Was it for God that I'm asking for something? Is it, am I focused on myself or am I focused on what God has and wants me to do? So what does a spirit-filled believer preaching and teaching the word of God look like? Let's spend some time. We're going to go into the book of Acts and look at some examples here. So go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 2. 
And we'll see some examples here. Peter, a few examples of him. Uh, an example of Paul. There are many that you can pick from here, but we'll try to just go through some of these and discuss what does spirit-filled what does a spirit-filled believer preaching and teaching the word of God look like? Acts chapter two. We're going to be looking in uh, around verse fourteen. So this is called Peter's sermon at Pentecost, and in the face of mocking, he's being mocked here for what he's doing and and what's been going on here as far as the the uh, the people I'm going to go ahead and turn over there too the people um, receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and they're thinking well you're drunk or you're crazy or this is just this is bogus they're mocking them and making fun of what's going on so verse 14 Peter standing up is characteristic of being bold Right? You're not just going to sit down and hide in a corner. You're going to stand up. You're going to make it known who you are, what you believe. Standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. Another characteristic of bold preaching and teaching is to lift up your voice. Does this mean to shout vulgarities and to be mean and nasty? No. The world, the world gets offended by the word of God. We don't need you to add anything to it. Speak out the word of God, and the word, if it's the world in its carnality, will be offended. But they're not offended at you, they're offended at God. Lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Then he proceeds to testify that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. And here we see that Christ, meaning Messiah, speaking to a Jewish audience. What was the result of Peter's boldness here? Well, Acts chapter 2, down in verse 37 and 38. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So there's many different ways that people can respond to preaching the word of God. Peter preached to this crowd which was mocking him. And when he was done, they asked him, what do we need to do? And he gave him a message, a gospel message here, repent. And essentially believe on Jesus Christ, be baptized after that. We understand the proper order of salvation, that baptism is an ordinance, that it is something that you do because you're saved, not to be saved. Chapter 3, turn over there. Peter is now at Solomon's porch, and God uses Peter to heal a lame man, and a crowd forms, right? If you know, if you see a guy that's, that's had a problem his entire life, and somebody walks up to him and takes care of that problem, whether in this case it's a physical infirmity of not being able to walk. This man cannot walk from his birth. And then you see him walking around, leaping, Wait, this guy was just there laying on his bed and now he's over here jumping the high hurdles at the, at the, at the, uh, the local games that are going on there. This man is leaping and jumping and praising God. And you see that, you're gonna, something's going to happen, right? You're going to form a crowd. So a crowd forms in great wonder that greatly wonders at what just happened. Well, he, what, he was... No, 
what's going on here now. So that, that's another thing too. God at this time in the transition period in the church between the time of Jesus' resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and uh, further on down, doctrinal uh, things that will be sorted out via Paul's uh, epistles is using miracles to solidify that these are his messengers and are speaking forth the word of God, this being one of them. So this miracle is being used to bring attention to the message that Peter has to, have, has to say here. So verse 12, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people. Okay, this crowd is for him. What's going on here? Well, he answers them now. Now this is, he answers, answers the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? You know us. I'm Peter. You've seen me here many times. I'm just a man like the rest of you. But Peter diverts attention from himself, right? That's exactly what he says here. As though by our own power or holiness we had made this man walk. It's not me that did this. Peter is pointing the attention to Christ and him. Peter's a nobody in this case. I'm a nobody. If you're a humble or at least a God-seeking person, you understand your position relative to Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, you're a nobody. We should seek to be a nobody and elevate Christ. He preaches Christ and him crucified and risen again and exhorts the crowd to, in verse 39, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So God used a miracle. He used a man who's pointing to Christ, who's a spirit-filled man preaching the word of God. What's the result? In Acts chapter 4, he and John are hauled in front of the high priest and the other important people of the day. Right? This is a little bit different than what happened back in Acts chapter 2 where the people sought, well, what, what, what should we do? And then things just kind of morphed off after that. People were saved. So John and, and Peter hauled in front of the, the, the important people of the day. Did this diminish their boldness in speaking forth the word of God? Absolutely not. Right? How many of us, I would hope that I'm brave enough if that day were ever to come, to stand up and God give me strength to do it. To, to proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified if I'm ever asked and put in that position. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, Peter and John before the high priest. Verse 8, we'll back up to verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Again, we said, spirit-filled believer proclaiming the word of God. Filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And in this, Peter stood up and he said, here's, here's what it is. Here's how it is. Peter didn't back down in this time, right? Lesser men, not spirit-filled, people who are not trusting in the wisdom of God, wisdom of the word of God, would back down and cower and slink away and leave, right? We're going to forbid you from teaching at the temple. Peter said, that's nice, and showed up tomorrow. He did not back down. He boldly continued to declare Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
So verses 12 and 13, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they heard the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, right? The foolishness of preaching. Oh, you're just a, you're just a dumb country boy. That's, uh, we'll forgive you if you don't have the university degrees. Uh, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So what was the result of this instance? They were threatened and released. Better not come back here. Gonna wag your finger at them now. Better not come back here and, and teach. But what happened? They continued to proclaim the word of God. And then later on, we find that when they're recounting their story of what had happened there to other believers, verse 31, and when they had prayed, an important point and characteristic of a spirit-filled believer is prayer. Right, you're seeking the Lord first. Like I said, if I've, the times that I've gone out witnessing and haven't prayed before and haven't been earnest in seeking it, has it gone poorly? Of course it has. Have I been in the flesh and witnessing to somebody before? I absolutely have. And it's a shame. Uh, it's a shame to me. I, I still remember those times, right? You know that visual memory that I say I have? I can tell you where the houses are that I did that. And I'm ashamed of it. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Again, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking the word of God with boldness. Turn over to Acts chapter 13. Now we transition away from Peter, and we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and those ministering with him a little bit here. Paul and Barnabas at Antioch in Pisidia. So after arriving there, they heard there was a synagogue. Right? The Apostle Paul, imagine the Apostle Paul seeking out the synagogue to minister to the Jews first, right? He's a Jew of the Jew, Jew, Jew of Jews, pedigrees called out from the tribe, tribe of Benjamin. He had a heart for his people, but he was the Apostle to the Gentiles. So Paul, they head to the synagogue here on the Sabbath day. And the synagogue is, in this day and age, is set up as basically a social organization. Yeah, you kind of go there and you hobnob with all the people and you sit in the best seats if you got the money and the, the clout in, the in, in, in this social organization there. And maybe somebody decides to crack open a scroll or two and read off some, some scripture. And this is pretty much the sense that we get of what's happening here in Antioch. We find in verse, 13, uh, verse 15, and after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them saying, ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Paul, not willing to give up this opportunity. Hey, you got something to say here in, in, at the synagogue? Well, yes, I do. I'll come right up there. Send it to the uh, reading the law and the prophets and rulers. Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Verse 16. Then Paul stood up, being bold, making sure they know who he is, where to place the target, and beckoning with his hand over here, right over here, pay attention over here, said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. 
Now he's got their attention. Stands up, beckoning with his hand, no doubtedly raising his, lifting up his voice, calls out to the men of Israel, and ye that fear God give audience. Paul delivers a history lesson from the scriptures and preaches of the Savior Jesus, crucified and risen again from the dead. And then he says in verse 38, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That's what I'm doing here right now. I'm telling you how to have your sins forgiven. And this telling, this method of telling is to get up, to preach the word of God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and tell you how to be saved. What was the result? Verse 43, now when the congregation was broken up, so now the social gathering has, has dispersed somewhat, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. He had reached some, or rather I say the word of God had reached some there. The next Sabbath came, and they, 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 the Gentiles, we find out, I believe the verse earlier than that, that the Gentiles said, hey, come on back next Sabbath. I was about to say Sunday, but next Sabbath, come on back. So the next Sabbath came, but the Jews were stirred up against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. This is what we see, right? You'll see persecution if you stand up for the word of God. People will get angry. Those that are in charge and have the hegemony that they're the ones that are ruling the place are not going to be happy if you come in and you start stirring up things well there are many ways to heaven don't you know well no the word of god says that jesus is the only way that's going to that's bound to stir up the crowd So we've looked at a few examples from Peter and, and from Paul. There are others of bold preaching, standing up and, and being spirit-filled, proclaiming forth the word of God. Is bold preaching found only in standing up in front of a crowd? It's a question. No, I'll give you the example here, one of the examples here. John chapter 4, Jesus and the woman at the well. In a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a woman at a well uh, in Samaria. And Jesus teaches a woman using water from a well to expound on eternal life. Did he do this by standing up? No. We find that he actually sat down. He was wearied and he sat down on the well. Did he lift up his voice? No spoke plainly and calmly to her. He was tired. It's a difficult thing to get roused and, 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 and uh, uh, lift up your voice when you're, when you're worn out and exhausted. You know, we have a great God that came to us in flesh who knows all of the things that we go through, has been tempted in all ways like as we are, but without sin. He knows sorrow. Jesus wept, shortest verse in the Bible. He knows weariness. And here we see that. He, did he lift up his voice? No, we don't have any evidence of that. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water 
And here, let's answered and said unto her. Didn't answer and preach unto her, lifting up his voice or anything like that. But no, this is a type of preaching, right? Telling forth the word of God. God himself speaking to you the word of God in this instance. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever shall drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Here we find that Jesus is gently speaking to her the word of God. He asks her a question about her husband, gives him the answer. She perceives that he's a prophet and goes to tell others. Right. There are a multitude of messages that we can have here now, too. Going and telling others, now that you've found the one who is the Messiah. That's, a, that's for another time. But it's another example here of Jesus in his example of preaching and teaching the word of God. It's another way to do it, to sharing forth. Brother Studman's example when he was here saying, you know, I can, and he's pretty loud guy his voice carries we're in a small area and his, his voice really carries it was really nice and there are some preachers that will get up there and and uh thunder and lightning from the pulpit they'll be spitting and you gotta basically i mean i guess in these days and age i, I suppose you would like to have some sort of plastic shield in front there sometimes maybe um some of those some are very animated some are very quiet Right? Some are thunder and lightning preachers, some are quiet monotone from others, but God can use all of that, right? It's, it's God works through us, right? His Holy Spirit is within us and can work through us, even with our personalities and quirks that we have, the geeky engineering humor that you sometimes get from me here. Um, but God's Holy Spirit is the one who's doing that work through believers as we yield to him. Brother Stedman's example was his personal witness at McDonald's. He's not going to get up and be that bold, fiery preacher, booming voice to somebody that's a few feet away from him that he's sitting across the table from. I don't think any of us would do that either. It's like, oh, wait, hold on. I need to get my soapbox and my pulpit and my Bible and my microphone. Now I'm ready to tell you how to get saved. One-on-one interaction. important part is to in preaching to be prayed up number one to be studied up you need to know the word of God so to be filled up with the spirit of God to be studied up to be filled up with the word of God know what it says I mean if you have a difficulty in memorizing things know where to go know what the verses are that you need to to share with them even if you just can share with them a simple verse, uh, I think pastors use the example of a young man out on a street corner, not able to, with me- not with tremendous mental faculties, but be able to point to John 3.16. Or was that Brother Dennis? Brother Dennis, in, in, in his example of a young man who pointed to where to go, the truth of God's word, here, right here. You can read right here for yourself. Knowing what the truth is and within his capacity being able to serve God, allowing God to fill him with his Holy Spirit, and in that instance, that was his method of preaching. So to be prayed up, to be filled with the Spirit, to be studied up, to know what God's Word says, to be, and to be ready to proclaim Christ at a moment's notice. 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Know the doctrine. Be prayed up, 
Be ready to share the gospel when that opportunity comes. Be looking for those opportunities. So in his letter to the Colossians, Paul asked that they would pray for him to be for opportunities in Rome to preach the gospel, for boldness, and that nothing would be held back. Preach the gospel as it ought to be preached, nothing withheld. In the power of the Holy Spirit, with the grace of God. And in this, uh, a phrase was used many uh, a few years ago now, but Paul wasn't finished serving the Lord while he was in prison. He was still looking for those opportunities. And in that, I would say that Paul wanted to keep on keeping on serving the Lord. All right, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your indwelling Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the power of preaching in, in whatever capacity that it's used, whether it be boldness and lifting, standing up and lifting up the word of God or simply pointing somebody to a, a Bible verse that shows them how they can be saved. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you give us. Give us more, Lord, People place people in our paths be able to share that that gospel message the the one that saves that that snatches the sinner from the jaws of hell and death and eternal the eternal lake of fire lord we uh, go out into this world lord allow us to be lights for this world uh, not hindering your work going forward lord we ask this in jesus name amen